Hey, this is Luis. And this is Luis. And we are the founders of BizBros. <laughs> this episode was recorded at a PodMax Propelify virtual event. And if you don't know, Propelify is an amazing event that will take place virtually from October 5th to October 9th. And it's also their fifth annual event. Propelify historically has gathered over 8,000 people in Hoboken for a single day of talks, tech, pitches, drones, and more. This year, it's a five-day virtual experience, which will have investors speed dating, the Cleantech Impact Challenge with a $50,000 prize awarded, talks from guests like Al Roker, Andrew Yang, and New Jersey First Lady Tammy Murphy, and tons of networking opportunities. So, without further ado, let's jump into this special episode with a guest from Podmax and a sponsor of Propelify. We've got some fresh new. Hey, I'm Luis. And I'm Luis. And you're listening to the Content is Profit podcast. We spent the last four years learning the strategies and techniques from some of the top marketers in the world on how to create content that turns into profit. If you'd like to learn more on how to turn that content into profit, go to contentsprofit.com. Yeah, guys, today we have an amazing guest. He's behind the scenes right now. And we spoke with him for about five minutes before jumping on and he has a really cool story and i feel it i feel it's gonna be really good and he has great energy too so i can't wait to get started but before that please go ahead and subscribe hit smash that subscribe button and follow us on social media at beast bros co and if you find this episode impactful guys you know what to do don't forget to share it and and leave a five-star review thank you so today you're in for a treat we partnered with Podmax and propelify to share the stories of some of the innovators that are building the future people that are taking ideas and turning them into reality these stories are meant to empower you to go all out and build a brighter future oh yeah today's guest he has an awesome superpower he actually has never had a job how cool is that all the jobs that he's had i don't even know if you can call them a job <laughs> he created them themselves himself so Ooh, pretty epic on that side also he took a company public without any investing whatsoever like no money raised that is a, fe a feat by itself yeah. so congrats on that fun story he's actually really proud of that he lost every single penny ever he, he made and then he got it back. So I'm like really interested to kind of dive into that yeah, side of the story. He, he actually pointed out that that was a really, really cool story. Ooh, baby. And just putting it out there. In case you want to fly to the Bahamas, guy, he's your guy. <laughs> just, just call him because he loves to fly planes. And he is the founder of Voice Next, which Ooh. we're going to be talking about in today's episode. So please welcome... Founder of Boys Text, Boys Next, and someone you can learn a lot from, Mr. Mike Gunkin. Welcome, Mike. Welcome, 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 welcome. Great to be here. Awesome, man. We're so excited. <laughs> We're just chatting off camera, and uh, you know. You see, Mike right now has like the full headset, microphone ready to go, and we're like, "Oh man, you speak our language. This is awesome. Let's go." <laughs> Dude, Mike, so, uh, so super honor. Thank you for being here on the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, who's Mike? Obviously, very interesting things that we kind of chatted about for like five minutes. Like, who who are you and like, what are you doing now? 
I've been running a voice over IP phone company. I founded in 2004 after having lost every penny I ever made. Uh, but we'll get to that and we'll get to that in a little bit. So yes. I'll start I'm like, I'm ready. I'm so. ready for this story. <laughs> Let's see. It all started a long time ago. The earth cooled now. Um, <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm a freshman in college. Um, my roommate is a business major. I'm actually a biology major. I was oh, wow. pretty bad. I was not planning <laughs> to even go into business. Um, and my freshman year roommate, it was the early 80s. Um, and back then in the U.S., uh, we had very expensive. It was 30 cents, uh, 31 cents a minute to make long distance calls. And uh, my roommate owed me about $300 for a phone bill that he didn't have. Mm. So he decided to borrow money from his dad to pay me back. And he came with this idea. We, and he was a business major. So yeah. let's start a storage company for students at our college, which we did. So I took my $300, he took $300, and we took $600, and we started that business. And I kind of tell people, I, I got my MBA my freshman year in college because we made every possible business mistake you could possibly ever make because we were only 18, and we didn't even know any better. So yeah, we were, we were too naive. So one of the biggest mistakes we made was if you've ever been in a building, um, these are dorms and everything. There were elevators and... We would. The idea was we would go to your dorm, pick up your stuff, bring it down, store it, and then return it to you in the fall. Pretty simple concept. Yeah. What we didn't realize was that when everyone's moving in and out of the buildings, you don't have access to the elevator. Like everyone's waiting oh. eight an hour for the elevator. <laughs> like we were just two 18-year-old kids who didn't know any better. So we said, ah, we'll go up the end. We'll use the elevators. And so we actually lugged everything up and down the stairs the first year. Wow. Everything. I got bought. We got really super buff and everything. <laughs> That's um, a good workout too. I, I see that as a win-win-win. <laughs> it was, but we never made money. We lost. I mean, we we broke barely broke even the first year. Yeah. Mistake number two we made was that we went around and collected twenty dollars deposit for people. So you couldn't store something with us unless you gave us a deposit. Mm. And we didn't need the deposit. We just needed the parents to pay, which they always did. So sending the bill home was was a concept we just didn't get. We we didn't need the money. We needed. We didn't even need the money. Now we needed the money. Ultimately, so yeah, <laughs> taking deposits, the more people who would store with us. Um, we logistically, we got a storage place 21 miles from campus. So we'd fill up a big, huge 24 foot truck. We drive it a half hour, yeah. take us an hour or two to unload and then bring it back. We were late for everything. We were never, we were never able to keep schedules. <laughs> um, so I, I, I'm telling you, it was my MBA, my, my work, school of hard knocks MBA that I earned in my freshman year of college. That, um, that that that's such too. a sorry that that's just a fun story because it you know a, a lot of people we're actually like before jumping on this interview we're we're watching this show is a is a different podcast with a guy that is a massive YouTube creator you know five hundred thousand followers like he he fell like he followed his dream dropping out of college right and then they asked him that question it's like would you recommend that to somebody else and his answer was really interesting and you know we 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 will dive into that but your story was like man like I just like took action and started implementing and and doing. And by that, I just sped up the process, the learning process very quickly. And, you know, you call it mistakes, but I'm sure there are very big lessons to that. You now apply also to your companies. Great lessons. Yes. Absolutely. So lessons, thank so. you for sharing that also. Okay. So continue. Sorry. Like th we're going to be like the commercial breaks. <laughs> no, not a problem. So, uh, so year two, we fixed all those problems. We tripled sales mm. because we, we worked everything out. We were stored stuff a mile, one mile from campus. We got a big place. Uh, we, instead of picking up the door, we changed the R to an M. Instead of we picked up at your door, we picked up at the dorm. So now you have to bring the stuff downstairs yourself. And we went to that dorm at, say, 10 o'clock in the morning at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. We'd pick it up, put it in a van. Um, if 
we had too much stuff, we'd keep going back there with one van. But if we had to go at one o'clock to be someplace else, we'd take one van and go there and start the other. So we were always on time. Yeah. We had great customer service. Great, you know, we we fixed all the problems with logistics, mm. the problems with our naivety and and uh, you know not knowing. You know, we fixed all those problems. And uh, ultimately, when I graduated, I sold that business to the college. Wow. wow. Okay, hold on. This I, deserves that. I, yes. I, I got ask. Yes. Did you sell that to the college and you managed to, you know, make an ROI on what you invested in college? Like, did you rec oh, recover the oh, money? Oh, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I, no, no, I didn't do no, I, I, it. No, it was about a half a year worth of tuition. Wow. Hey, that is amazing. That is absolutely amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you go to college where we were, that that's no, no, I, no. I take, that, I take that back. I take that back. It was actually, it was actually probably closer to like seventy-five, eighty grand in, in today's dollars. Yeah. Wow. Beautiful. Yeah, that is so cool. That is such a cool story. You know, like hey, I went to college and then my college paid me when I graduated. How cool would that be, right? And like I said, I wasn't a very typical college student at all. So yeah, um, I, I'm sophomore year. I'm gonna throw these guests out there. I'm sure you're not the pretty typical business guy either. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I know we, we can tell like from the energy that you emanate. I mean, this is something that we talk on the show a lot because we we publish, you know, we've been publishing on the show. We work with a lot of people that deal with content and it's putting yourself out there, like the real you, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, we don't we don't need to be faking it like in front of the camera. And obviously that real you translates not only your content, but your business. So this is awesome that, you know, from that very age, like you were able to identify who that real you wa were or was. Uh, yeah, my English is not very good looking today. Anyways, is, is God, okay, thank you. <laughs> it's, it's BN, BN, it's, it's about all the Spanish I know, BN is good. So. There, there you go, BN, good. And uh, and then you stay true to that until today. And, you know, you know, I'm sure we're going to go mm -hmm. past, the, past the story of those businesses that, you know, you were very successful and then, you know, dropped down and then went back up. So, sweet, let's continue. Uh, commercial pause, um, number, <laughs> number two, done. <laughs> good. Um, sophomore year, um, we started a second business in, in uh, a window washing company, washing windows for the summer in a place called Nantucket. It's an island off of Cape Cod. Mm. It's kind of a kind of a wealthy resort kind of place. Good place to spend the summer. So, um, mm. and I got to meet great people there. Um, I met uh, Peter Bench, the guy who wrote Jaws. We washed oh, his wow. windows for his house. Awesome. Um, his father was a his father was an author too. Uh, we did his parents' house. Um, I met Mr. Rogers for 10 minutes. Uh, I washed <laughs> Mr. Rogers' windows house. You know, Mr. Rogers, wow. the uh, childhood. Yeah. Um, and a whole lot of other people, a whole lot of neat people we met. Um, yeah. Uh, so now I have two businesses. We're washing windows and storing stuff. Um, junior year, we made enough money. I bought a house. I bought my first house in college. Oh, wow. Um, so I graduate college. I sell the business. I sell the house. Um, and my dad goes to me, you can't store stuff and... Uh, watch windows the rest of your life you know what are you what are you gonna do now you know <laughs> um and my dad's a dentist so uh and i was pre-med or something i was a biology major um mm. i applied and got into a bunch, bunch of places i wound up going to the right school but the wrong program i went to upenn yeah. dental school when i should have been at upenn wharton so i uh, but i felt <laughs> i'd already got my mba so you yeah know, why you know not not to be cocky but uh you know i'd made every mistake you possibly make and learn from it and going to school at that point even if wharton mba wasn't going to get me Uh, a job because I wasn't really looking for a job. I was looking to do something for yeah. myself, and you only need that degree if you're going to work for someone else. Yep. How how do you deal? So, so so here's here's a question because you know there might be we talk to a lot of people are you know starting their businesses and stuff like that and you know we we we're very big fans of 
do it, learn uh, as you're doing, and then, you know, continue to execute and make it happen, right? That's how we built, like, our business in the last five years. But there's a lot of people that might be, you know, either going to school or, like, learning from other people, but, they're, like, they're living and they have that conflict, right? Mm. That that they're like, hmm, you know, I'm, I'm doing it, but then I'm listening to this person, like, teaching me these things that I'm supposed to know, but I'm having different results, yeah. and there's conflict. How, like... How do people deal with that? Like, what do you recommend doing? In conflict, in what, in what way? In what? Uh, so you you mentioned that you felt like you went to an MBA because of the experience that you lived, right? And then you go through college, and then you might listen or college or a course or a mentor or somebody, right? And you're like, wow, I I I feel like I know more because I'm executing. But there's that conflict that maybe comes from your family, maybe comes from like the society, right? You have to go through this to be able to do X, Y, Z, right? So there's that conflict of I can't leave, but I'm executing and having awesome results. What do I do? Do I stay? Do I do I leave and go execute? Like according to your experience, like what so what would be? So I followed my heart. I, so I, I went to dental school for your University of Pennsylvania. Yeah. And after one year, I decided not to go back. Mm. Um, I wasn't going to be a dentist. I would have been unhappy. It, it wasn't something that my life dream was. I, I, it was something that I didn't really have my heart in. So I, I, I left. Um, I went back in that summer. I went back to Nantucket to wash windows. So <laughs> my parents weren't very happy with me. I leave dental school to go wash windows, basically. So <laughs> not a great career path for the most part. But I had a plan. I had a plan, you know, so... Uh, The plan gets better as we go along. So um, the, the end the, of summer comes up on Nantucket. Go ahead. I was going to ask you, do you always knew the plan? Or was that something that was, you know, you were executing and coming and, and figuring it out? It's it's uh, calling an audible at the line of scrimmage. It's, it's you know, seeing, seizing an opportunity and, and, and going going with it. I'm mean, trying a lot of things. I've tried a bunch of things in my life, too. Love it. Um, so I leave Nantucket in, after that, and it's the end of the year. Um It's September and they see, you know, the summer's over and I go move back in with my parents mm. and and leave dental school to go watch windows in New Jersey in their face, uh, which they weren't too happy about, <laughs> you know, what are you doing with your life kind of thing. So, but things went along and maybe about a month after washing windows in New Jersey, somebody asked me about this thing called pressure washing. So I was mm. cleaning some house and down the block, somebody was pressure washing and I quickly realized that the hourly rate for pressure washing was three or four times that of window washing. Wow. So I pivoted on the dime and we became a pressure washing company and we ultimately found our, our niche in that market was between the 50 and quarter million dollar job we were doing back then. A lot of buildings in Hoboken and Jersey City and Newark and Brooklyn were all going from apartment buildings to condos and co-ops. What we would do is we would go in and acid wash the fronts of the buildings and make them look brand new. Make yeah. an old building look new by refreshing the brick and making it look, you know, taking out years of grime by literally acid washing out all the all the dirt out of the building. Yeah. Um, and those were big jobs. We were usually on a job for anywhere from a week to, to a month, you know. Wow. Uh, Fascinating. That, that does remind me we used to live in this house where the side of the house it was just like it looked like it was a hundred year old house <laughs> and right, so we actually brought a guy that pressure washed it on the side and right. i was like wow like that looks, looks amazing new, right? looks, yeah we got we got the neighbors to stop by and we're like hey guys nice to meet you and we're like we've been living here for the last three years and they're like oh we thought you had we had new neighbors <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> dude but, but you, you guys took it you guys got washed too i guess right we what sorry You guys got washed too with the pressure washer. Absolutely, they washed you too, yeah. Right? Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Our ash, uh, our accents got washed out. <laughs> 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 okay. Wow. 
that joke. Okay. Yeah. So so what happened next? Yeah. I'm I'm curious. Like I'm loving this story. Like you, I mean, I can tell you have lived through so many list business lessons, and probably at this point you're not even. 23 years old or 25 years old, you know, and you're already that's, built that's like, right, yeah. like mm -hmm. three businesses sold to uh, defy your your parents uh, <laughs> on what they wanted for you because you wanted to follow what you wanted for yourself, which is absolutely amazing. So please continue. I'm so curious. So a building in Edison, New Jersey becomes available about a mile from where Thomas Edison invented the light bulb, coincidentally. Mm. Um, the invention cap king of the, of the U.S. Yeah. You know? yeah. So... And I grew up in Edison. I grew up there, so I I credit a lot of what I did because of Thomas Edison too. So so awesome. Um, he, he actually went bankrupt also, like I did. So we'll get to that <laughs> in the future. But love it. Um, along with Henry Ford and all those other guys too. Yeah. So, um, but uh, a building becomes available. It has a garage on the back and a garage on the front, and you could drive right through the building. You drive trucks. It was a, they would park oil trucks in there at night. Mm. Um, but it looked to me like a car wash. So we opened up a car detailing center we were cleaning and waxing cars and because we already had the equipment we were cleaning buildings we could clean cars with that same equipment wow huh so and we called it palm springs auto resort um <laughs> for palm springs you know california where we i've never been to palm springs it was just a funny catchy name that we just <laughs> got drunk one night and we laughed so hard about it it was the only one we could remember in the morning do, do, do people actually ask you like you know what's the what's the reason you named your company this way and you're like ah you know i just got a few drinks and we're good to go <laughs> Well, we want people to think we had experience. It sounds like like a franchise. It sounds like something. It sounds yes. like we had we knew what we were doing. Love it. Um, and you always want to make sure you know you you brand yeah. yourself. So you know mm -hmm. we, we had a good logo. We actually had a federal trademark with it. So you know we had a a bunch of we actually did some, some franchising on it on it too. Wow. Um, but a couple months after starting waxing cars, somebody comes in and it's 1987 now, and somebody asks you about this thing called a cellular phone. Huh. They were. Close to $3,000 US. Uh, they didn't work very well. It was $40 a month at 60 cents a minute with no minutes, no internet, no, no, it was just voice. Yeah. And that morning, I called the company called Cellular One, said, We're interested in selling. I got a guy who wants to buy a phone. What do I have to do to become an agent of yours? And we became the, the sixth agent in the Metro New York area for Cellular One. Wow. Uh, back in the beginning of the industry, and it changed my life. That's how I got into the telecommunications industry. Okay. In, 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 in the cellular phone industry. Uh, from the late 80s through the mid 90s, had a reach couple, some bunch of retail stores, and we, we ultimately had, and uh, I just burned out of retail. It's a six day or seven day a week. You know, it's a, uh, I want to get my life back. I want to get out of the retail grind. So yeah. I sold all the retail stores and took a, a contract that I had with a company that was originally called Nationwide Cellular. It was bought by MCI, and then MCI was bought by WorldCom. It was, it was for WorldCom, which Mm. I don't know if you do you know WorldCom at all. Do you know the story of WorldCom? No really. idea. Like I, this is why we're like so fascinated and just like sitting here like, because it's like we're connecting with new people and like their stories and it's amazing. So please indulge us. So <laughs> WorldCom is a, it was a Fortune 50 company, the top 50 companies in mm. the world, bigger than Verizon. Okay, wow. wow. Um, you've heard of Enron, right? Everyone's heard of Enron, right? Yep, yep, I have. Well, well, before Enron went bankrupt in an accounting scandal. Uh, Worldcom went bankrupt in a much bigger accounting scandal. Mm. Um, so they they um, fake their financials and they go bankrupt. They take one of the big accounting companies with them called Arthur Anderson also went down after Worldcom went bankrupt. Wow. Uh, but we'll get to that in the future. So I, I give up all the retail stores. It would take one contract to become a master agent for Worldcom. We start selling cellular phones to 
uh, in New York City, 150 retailers in New Jersey. Yeah. New York, the New York metro area, uh, 50 or 60 in Chicago, some Washington, D.C., Boston, all over the country. We're, we're selling for them as a master agent to these all mom and pop independent mm-hmm. um, cellular stores. Okay. Before they were all branded, there was a lot of independents out there. Yeah. Um, and one thing led to another. We're doing tons of business. Um, I grew that company from you know nothing in, in 1996 when we started to in 2002, close to $50 million in sales. Wow. Um, we're selling a lot of phones for, for WorldCom. Um, uh, a year before, um, we did about 12, we went from 12 to 50 million in one year, but uh, I make the Inc. 500, the I Inc. 500, we were number 126 on the Inc. 500. Nice. I'm a finalist of the Ernst Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award. We won a bunch of awards. Um, we sold basically 187,000 cellular phones for them in a year. Um, a lot of it in the e-commerce. Uh, the very first day in e-commerce, uh, uh, what WorldCom did was before we'd have to take an application off a fax machine and type it into a computer, um, WorldCom web-enabled the application process. We connected to that web enablement, and I had one of my partners who was digging down my throat. He had close to 50,000 applications in the queue, and he was basically having people type them in every day to get them approved, and we automated that process, and we took 50,000 applications yeah. And we ran them. It took four and a half hours to run them through. We're the very first day in e-commerce when we broke we broke the magic. We made it work. <laughs> wow. It, Beautiful. It took four and a half hours to run 50,000 applications, and we got 900 people approved. Oh, wow. That's amazing. So my my first day in e-commerce, we did over a million dollars in sales. <laughs> I, I'm mind I did, blown. I didn't even have, I did have, I did have 900 phones in stock because we weren't ready to do it. We were still, we were testing everything, and we literally tested it. It worked, and... And he said, I need this to go now. And we went in. And so it took me a week or two just to fulfill that first order. And then we, I made them stop for about 10 days. And I bought 20 computers and 20 folding tables and chairs. And we set up 20 printers. And I went to a temp agency and hired 20 people. Actually, we hired 30 people because we knew 10 of them were going to wash out. So yeah. we trained everybody. Um, and these, my partners turned back on their marketing machine. It was all, it was all email marketing back then. Yeah, and uh, we started selling a lot of phones, e-commerce. And when it got to the point after we were running like a well-honed machine, you could go on about three o'clock in the afternoon, place an order, and at five o'clock when UPS came to pick up everything, the phone would go out. You'd have it the next day, or two days, depending on where you know on the West Coast. Wow, I I, I recognize one word here in the, all this story that that you've told us: execution. <laughs> like yeah. it's it's insane. Like you you. Uh, it's fascinating. I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to dive into your mind because I'm sure like there's all these ideas and opportunities. You probably spot them all over the place uh, every every single day. And you're like, you know, I like that. Like, let's go. And and let's go means let's take action. Let's 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 make something happen. And it doesn't really matter what happens, but because I'm going to be full invested in this. And then the second that, you know, we encounter friction where it's like it's not fulfilling for you anymore. For example, the retail space then you're like, what's my next opportunity, right? And and then I go with it, right? Yes. And we, we had a conversation with a guy, his name was Bart Miller, great guy, also uh, big, big businesses, top 1% Amazon guy. And, uh, and we're talking about identities, right? And how people can have different identities. And one of the messages that 
we listen a lot in our marketplace. Like, okay, you got to be that that one guy, that one person, and that's the one thing that you always do forever and ever, right? And for us, what we've been finding is like, yeah, it's great to start that way, but there's also like different passions and identities that we like to 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 take. Like for us, soccer is a big thing, right? We love it, and at some point, we would like to do that. And now I'm I'm looking at you, and it is is the business identity, right? You're a business guy. You you look for opportunities and you execute, and it doesn't matter where that is you will find it and then with, through execution have massive success i'm assuming through a lot of interactions and different things and, and mini failures and obviously it's going to look like a roller coaster i'm guessing but at the end of the day uh it's so awesome and i think it's allowing us to like look at the business side of thing with a with a very different eye and also for the audience that might be starting a business be like it's okay that that has an end date just make sure you know you you make the most out of it. Learn your lesson. Yep. If you want to make some some cash, awesome, and then you can move on to the next passion, right? Yeah. I, I'm a little curious yes. on how do you see these opportunities? Because you know, first business storage, then window, then car uh, the windows, then the pressure washing, then the car wash. Now the cellular, right? Is it that you had problems with storing storing things yourself, and and you were like, hey, let me create a solution for this. Or you were looking, you were in a solution mindset. I'm curious on how do you find all these opportunities when there are people out there struggling to just find one, right? Mm. You're always looking. Listen, I, I read voraciously. I, 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 you just have to look around. There's an opportunity in everything. Yeah. Mm. Is there is yeah. is there like a pattern that you follow? You're like, hey, you know, I I spot something, and then there's like different elements that they need to hit your list for you to pursue that opportunity. So most people are afraid of big businesses. They think a big business can crush them, but big businesses are like oil tankers. They can't turn on the dime. Mm. Um, I outcompeted WorldCom. They were WorldCom was the top 50 company in the world. I outcompeted them because I turned on a dime. I I, I knew how to you know I could outmarket them. You know mm. I knew they're go to market. Uh, before, because I talked to them about go to market, we talked about it together, and I said, "Listen, I'm going to go to market better than you." Is do you care? Because no, because there's certain people are going to want to get paid better and get paid better by going to you, and there's certain people who care about going through corporate and having that corporate relationship. So, you know, we want we want all the business. So they were smart guys. Those guys were very smart. Um, yeah. So they let me compete against them, even on price. They were not upset about that because I, I, you know, if you're upfront with your partners, you're not. We weren't really competitors. We were selling to different marketplaces to the most yeah, part. Yeah, wow. You know. mm -hmm. Yeah, something I've noticed is that you have a, you, you haven't mentioned this word, but you have a very good understanding on positioning, right? Like I've noticed that like all your business, the way you position yourself is, um, I mean, you even mentioned it on the, the name of the car wash, right? Like you position it as Paul Spring, mm -hmm. Auto Spa. Yeah. And I, I found that super interesting because immediately positioned you as the elite of car wash right and i'm sure just the name will attract a lot of people and then with your marketing knowledge and all that it'll you you get to grow these businesses so thank you for sharing that like this has been incredible I, i'm curious to and, and i feel like we still haven't got to the good part where you lose I everything know. and then get it back we, we haven't we haven't, we haven't <laughs> gotten to the right let's so. keep going let's keep going um, so um October 1st, 2001, we go public in a reverse merger, which we don't raise any money in a reverse merger. Reverse merger is a, you become a private company, you become a public company, and we're ready to raise some money. We had it all lined up, a couple million dollars of outside investment. The first time we're going to take some money, and the it was 20 days after September 11th in the U.S. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. So it was a bad time in the country, but um, for for financial, because the financial markets were were reeling. There was a horrible time for the financial industry back then. Uh, we were now public, newly public company with no money, not yeah. no money. We were doing a lot of we were doing a lot of sales. Yes, but um, uh, we, we were profitable. Um, but we were looking to grow even quicker. Uh, we found out we actually didn't need the money because um, after 9-11, if you didn't have a cellular phone in the U.S., you got one. Remember, I think on the entire globe, that was the year that everybody got a phone for their kids. Yeah. If you had a 10-year-old kid, you gave him a phone that year because you wanted to make sure that you could contact him if anything went wrong. If the yeah. world was falling apart, you wanted So it was huge. We tripled our sales that one year. And that's where we went from 12 to close to $50 million in sales. Wow. Mm. Um, um, and then a year later, not even a year later, WorldCom... Um, in six weeks goes from a top 50 company in the world as big as Verizon, as big as Exxon, and as big as Amazon. The, the big companies, as big as all those Apple was today, Worldcom was that big back then in the, in the 2000s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Worldcom goes from a real company to bankrupt in six weeks. Wow. And they go bankrupt owing me about $4.5 million. Mm. And I lose every penny because I don't have $4.5 million. I lose every penny. I personally guaranteed everything as CEO of the company. Um, we didn't raise any money, so I didn't have a big war chest of money. So I have to fire myself and 55 people who work for me. And like I said, lost every penny. Um, I cried for a couple months. It's like um, losing. It's like losing a child. It's like you know, yeah. you go through all the stages of, of, of remorse. You know, why me? And you know, what about you know? Can't can't you're trying to make a deal? You know, with yourself. What a, can we get one more year? One more couple more months out of it? You know, anything? Yeah. You know, all those things that happen with with horrible things happen. Um, and one thing led to another, and I, I'm, I happen to have a great peer group. Um, in the U.S., there's, a company, there's an organization called Young Entrepreneur Organization, YEO. Mm. Uh, we've all gotten older now, so it's now called EO, the Entrepreneur Organization, because we've all <laughs> used to be for under 40 people, if you had to be under 40 to be in it. Mm. And a bunch of my peers were in it, and they actually helped a lot. You know, they helped uh, a, a lot. But the guy who founded YEO was a guy named Vern Harnish. Mm. Um, Fern wrote some great books. If you want a great book recommendation, uh, he writes Absolutely. a book called Scaling Up. Oh, yeah, yeah. We, got, uh, we have that book, actually. We need to dive into yeah. that one. Um, he wrote it before. It's called The Rockefeller Principles, but it's mm-hmm. a second. It's a reversion of The Rockefeller Principles. Yeah. Um, the first 10 pages, I can't tell you how many times I've read that book. But uh, so the New Jersey organization, about 55, 60 guys, hired him to come talk to us about the book back then was The, the Rockefeller Principles. Okay. Um, and the deal was for him, we all had to buy 50 copies of his book on the same day from Amazon so he could say he's the number one Amazon bestseller. And we bought about 1,800, 1,900, you know, close to 2,000 copies that day. Yeah. And he was the number one seller. And now he could bill himself as the number one book on Amazon awesome. back in 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, but the second part of the deal was somebody had to drive him from New Jersey where he talked to us for a couple hours to a scotch tasting with Glenlivet Scotch yeah. in New York City. and. My friend said, you need to go get drunk. You need to drink because you've lost every penny you've ever made. So, um, so they volunteered me to drive Vern into the city. And what should have been a half-hour drive was an hour and a half because of some traffic. Yeah. And I'm talking to Vern, and Vern said basically, you know, the same thing you said when we first got started. So tell me about it. What's, what's going on, you know? Yeah. And I said, well, six weeks ago, I was involved with this WorldCom bankruptcy. I lost every penny I've ever made and I, and I owe millions of dollars that I'm not going to have. You know, I owe banks and, and guarantors for everything. And he sat for about 20 seconds. It seemed like it forever, but it sat for a couple of seconds and said, so in 10 years, when you look back on this, 
you want to be the person who said, I was the person who was doing this and I was the person who was doing that? Or do you want to be the person who, I, who says, I'm the person doing this and I'm the person doing that? Mm. And, and I didn't get it at the time, but I, I felt this huge weight was lifted off of me. Like, well, yeah, you know, I, I could go around the rest of my life saying, you know, this comp, big, huge company, top 50 company went bankrupt in a huge accounting scandal and screwed me and be bitter about it or I could move on. So I moved, at that point, I moved on. I didn't know what I was going to do at that point, but I knew I could do something else. Let me, uh, you know, let me find what the next big thing is going to be. And about six months later, um, I, I said, you know what? I think VoIP, you know, I was already in the telecom, telecommunications business and I decided um, we would find, in the other business, we would find a customer, hand it to the big company, and they would hand us a fistful of cash. Says We've got some fresh new Hey, I'm Luis. And I'm Luis. You and you're listening before. to the Content is Profit <laughs> Podcast. Listen. We spent the last four years learning the strategies and techniques from some of the top marketers in the world on how to create content that turns into profit. If you'd like to learn more on how to turn that content into profit, go to contentsprofit.com. Yeah, yeah. yeah, guys, today we have an amazing guest. He's behind the scenes right now. And we spoke with him for about five minutes before jumping on, and he has a really cool story. And I feel it. I feel it's going to be really good. I and he it. has great energy, too. So I can't wait to get started. But before that, please go ahead and subscribe. Hit smash that subscribe button and follow us on social media at BizBrosCo. And if you find this episode impactful, guys, you know what to do. Don't forget to share it and and leave a five-star review. Thank you. So today, you're in for a treat. We partnered with Podmax and Propelify to share the stories of some of the innovators that are building the future. People that are taking ideas and turning them into reality. These stories are meant to empower you to go all out and build a brighter future. Oh, yeah. Today's guest, he has an awesome superpower. He actually has never had a job. How cool is that? All the jobs that he's had, I don't even know if you can call them a job. <laughs> he created them themselves, himself. So Ooh, pretty epic on that side. Also, he took a company public without any investing whatsoever, like no money raised. That is a, fe a feat by itself. Yeah. So congrats on that. Fun story. He's actually really proud of that he lost every single penny ever he, he made and then he got it back. So I'm like really interested to kind of dive into that yeah, side of the story. He, he, he actually pointed out that that was a really, really cool story. Ooh, baby. And just putting it out there. In case you want to fly to the Bahamas, guy, he's your guy. <laughs> just, just call him because he loves to fly planes. And he is the founder of Voice Next, which Ooh. we're going to be talking about in today's episode. So please welcome... Founder of Voice Text, Voice Next, and someone you can learn a lot from, Mr. Mike Gokin! Welcome, Mike. Welcome, 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 welcome. Great to be here. Awesome, man. We're so excited. <laughs> We're just chatting off camera, and uh, you know... You see, Mike right now has like the full headset, microphone ready to go, and we're like, oh man, you speak our language. This is awesome. Let's go. <laughs> Dude, Mike, so, uh, so super honor. Thank you for being here on the show. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, who's Mike? Obviously, very interesting things that we kind of chatted about for like five minutes. Like, who who are you and like, what are you doing now? I've been running a voice over IP phone company I founded in 2004. 
after having lost every penny I ever made. Uh, but we'll get to that and we'll get to that in a little bit. So yes. I'll start I'm like, I'm ready. I'm ready out. for this story. <laughs> Let's see. It all started a long time ago. The earth cooled now. Um, <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm a freshman in college. Um, my roommate is a business major. I'm actually a biology major. I was oh, wow. pre-bed. I was not planning <laughs> to even go into business. Um, and my freshman year roommate, it was the early 80s. Um, and back then in the U.S., uh, we had very expensive. It was 30 cents, uh, 31 cents a minute to make long distance calls. And uh, my roommate owed me about $300 for a phone bill that he didn't have. Mm. So he decided to borrow money from his dad to pay me back. And he came with this idea. We, and he was a business major. So yeah. let's start a storage company for students at our college, which we did. So I took my $300, he took $300, and we took $600, and we started that business. And I kind of tell people I, I got my MBA my freshman year in college because we made every possible business mistake you could possibly ever make because we were only 18, and we didn't even know any better. So yeah, we were, we were too naive. So one of the biggest mistakes we made was if you've ever been in a building, um, these are dorms and everything. There were elevators and we would, the idea was we would go to your dorm, pick up your stuff, bring it down, store it, and then return it to you in the fall. Pretty simple concept. Yeah. What we didn't realize was that when everyone's moving in and out of the buildings, you don't have access to the elevator. Like everyone's waiting oh. for an hour for the elevator. <laughs> like we were just two 18 year old kids who didn't know any better. So we said, oh, we'll go up the, we'll use the elevators. And so we actually lugged everything up and down the stairs the first year. Wow. Everything. I got bought. We got really super buff and everything. <laughs> That's um, a good workout too. I, I see that as a win-win-win. <laughs> it was, but we never made money. We lost. I mean, we we broke barely broke even the first year. Yeah. Mistake number two we made was that we went around and collected a twenty dollars deposit for people. So you couldn't store something with us unless you gave us a deposit. Mm. And we didn't need the deposit. We just needed the parents to pay, which they always did. So sending the bill home was was a concept we just didn't get. We we didn't need the money. We needed. We didn't need the money now. We needed the money. Ultimately, so yeah, <laughs> taking deposits with the more people who would store with us. Um, we logistically we got a storage place 21 miles from campus, so we'd fill up a big, huge 24 foot truck, we'd drive it a half hour, it'd yeah. take us an hour or two to unload, and then bring it back. We were late for everything, we were never, we were never able to keep schedules. <laughs> um, so I, I, I'm telling you, it was my MBA, my, my work, school of hard knocks MBA that I earned in my freshman year of college. That, um, that that that's such too. a sorry that that's just a fun story because it you know a, a lot of people we we're actually like before jumping on this interview where we're watching this show is a is a different podcast with a guy that is a massive YouTube creator you know five hundred thousand followers like he he fell like he followed his dream dropping out of college right and then they asked him that question it's like would you recommend that to somebody else and his answer was really interesting and you know we 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 will dive into that but your story was like man like i just like took action and started implementing and and doing and by that i just sped up the process the learning process very quickly and you know you call them mistakes but i'm sure there are very big lessons to that you now apply also to your companies great lessons yes Absolutely. So thank you for sharing that also. Okay. So continue. Sorry. Like we're going to be like the commercial breaks. <laughs> no, not a problem. So, uh, so year two, we fixed all those problems. We tripled sales mm. because we, we worked everything out. We were stored stuff a mile, one mile from campus. We got a big place. Uh, we, instead of picking up the door, we changed the R to an M. Instead of we picked up at your door, we picked up at the dorm. So now you have to bring the stuff downstairs yourself. And we went to that dorm at say 10 o'clock in the morning at three o'clock in the afternoon. We'd pick it up, put it in a van. Um, if we had too much stuff, we'd keep going back there with one van. But if we had to go 
at one o'clock to be someplace else, we'd take one van and go there and start the other. So we were always on time. Yeah. We had great customer service. Great, you know, we we fixed all the problems with logistics, mm. the problems with our naivety and and uh, you know not knowing. We, you know, we fixed all those problems. And uh, ultimately, when I graduated, I sold that business to the college. Wow. wow. Okay, hold on. This I, deserves that. I, yes. I, I gotta ask. Yes. Did you sell that to the college and you managed to, you know, make an ROI on what you invested in college? Like, did you rec oh, recover the oh, money? Oh, no, no. Yeah, yeah. I, no, no, I didn't do no, I, I, it. No, it was a about a half a year worth of tuition. Wow. Hey, that is report, amazing. That is that's absolutely amazing. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you go to college where we were, that, that's. No, no, I, no, I take, that, I take that back. I take that back. It was actually, it was actually probably closer to like 75, 80 grand in, in today's dollars. Yeah. Wow. Beautiful. Yeah. That is so cool. That is such a cool story. You know, like, hey, I went to college and then my college paid me when I graduated. How cool would that be, right? And like I said, I wasn't a very typical college student at all. So. Yeah. Um, I, I'm sophomore year. I'm going to throw these guests out there. I'm sure you're not the pretty typical business guy either. Not at all. <laughs> I know we, we can tell like from the energy that you emanate. I mean, this is something that we talk on the show a lot because we, we publish, you know, we've been publishing on the show. We work with a lot of people that deal with content and he's putting yourself out there, like the real you, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, we don't, we don't need to be faking it like in front of the camera. And obviously that real you translates not only your content, but your business. So this is awesome that, you know, from that very age, like you were able to identify who that real you was, where, or was, how, yeah, my English is not very good looking today. Anyways, is, is God, okay, thank you. <laughs> right. It's BN, BN. It's about all the Spanish I know. BN is good. So there, there you go. BN, good. And uh, and then you stay true to that until today. And you know, you know, I'm sure we're gonna go mm -hmm. past the story of those businesses that you know you were very successful and then you know dropped down and then went back up. So sweet. Let's continue. Uh, commercial pause. Um, number number two done. <laughs> good. Um, sophomore year, um, we started a second business in, in uh, a window washing company washing windows for the summer in a place called Nantucket. It's an island off of Cape Cod. Mm. It's kind of a kind of a wealthy resort kind of place. Good place to spend the summer. So, um, mm. And I got to meet great people there. Um, I met uh, Peter Bench, the guy who wrote Jaws. We washed oh, his wow. windows for his house. Awesome. Um, his, father was a, his father was an author, too. Uh, we did his parents' house. Um, I met Mr. Rogers for 10 minutes. Uh, I washed <laughs> Mr. Rogers' windows house. You know, Mr. Rogers, wow. the uh, childhood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a whole lot of other people, a whole lot of neat people we met. Um, yeah. Uh, so now I have two businesses. We're washing windows and storing stuff. Um, junior year, we made enough money. I bought a house. I bought my first house in college. Oh, wow. Um, so I graduate college. I sell the business. I sell the house. Um, and my dad goes to me, you can't store stuff and uh, wash windows the rest of your life. You know, what are you, you going to do now? You know? <laughs> um, and my dad's a dentist. So, uh, and I was pre-med or something i was a biology major um mm. i applied and got into a bunch, bunch of places i wound up going to the right school but the wrong program i went to upenn yeah. dental school when i should have been at upenn wharton so i uh, but i <laughs> felt i'd already got my mba so you yeah know, why you know not not to be cocky but uh you know i'd made every mistake you could possibly make and learn from it and going to school at that point even if wharton mba wasn't going to get me uh, a job because i wasn't really looking for a job i was looking to do something for yeah. myself and you only need that degree if you're going to work for someone else yep how how do you deal so, so so here's here's a question because you know there might be we talked to a lot of people are you know starting their businesses and stuff like that and you know we we we're very big fans of 
do it, learn uh, as you're doing, and then, you know, continue to execute and make it happen, right? That's how we built, like, our business in the last five years. But there's a lot of people that might be, you know, either going to school or, like, learning from other people, but, they're, like, they're living and they have that conflict, right? Mm-hmm. That that they're like, hmm, you know, I'm, I'm doing it, but then I'm listening to this person, like, teaching me these things that I'm supposed to know, but I'm having different results, yeah. and there's conflict. How, like... How do people deal with that? Like, what do you recommend doing? In conflict, in what, in what way? In what? Uh, so you you mentioned that you felt like you went to an MBA because of the experience that you lived, right? And then you go through college, and then you might listen or college or a course or a mentor or somebody, right? And you're like, wow, I I I feel like I know more because I'm executing. But there's that conflict that maybe comes from your family, maybe comes from like the society, right? You have to go through this to be able to do X, Y, Z, right? So there's that conflict. I can't leave, but I'm executing and having awesome results. What do I do? Do I stay? Do I do I leave and go execute? Like according to your experience, like what so- what will be? So I followed my heart. I, so I, I went to dental school for your University of Pennsylvania. Yeah. And after one year, I decided not to go back. Mm. Um, I wasn't going to be a dentist. I would have been unhappy. It, w- it wasn't something that my life dream was. I, I, it was something that I didn't really have my heart in. So I, I, I left. Um, I went back in that summer. I went back to Nantucket to wash windows. So <laughs> my parents weren't very happy with me. I leave dental school to go wash windows, basically. So <laughs> not a great career path for the most part. But I had a plan. I had a plan, you know, so... Uh, The plan gets better as we go along. So um, the, the end the, of the summer comes up on Nantucket. Go ahead. I was going to ask you, do you always knew the plan? Or was that something that was, you know, you were executing and coming and, and figuring it out? It's it's uh, calling an audible at the line of scrimmage. It's, it's you know, seeing, seizing an opportunity and, and, and going going with it. I'm mean, trying a lot of things. I've tried a bunch of things in my life, too. Love it. Um, so I leave Nantucket in, after that, and it's the end of the year. Um It's September and they see, you know, the summer's over and I go move back in with my parents mm. and and leave dental school to go watch windows in New Jersey in their face, uh, which they weren't too happy about. <laughs> you know, what are you doing with your life kind of thing? So, but things went along and maybe about a month after washing windows in New Jersey, somebody asked me about this thing called pressure washing. So I was mm. cleaning some house and down the block, somebody was pressure washing. And I quickly realized that the hourly rate for pressure washing was three or four times that of window washing. Wow. So I pivoted on the dime and we became a pressure washing company and we ultimately found our, our niche in that market was between the 50 and quarter million dollar job we were doing back then. A lot of buildings in Hoboken and Jersey City and Newark and Brooklyn were all going from apartment buildings to condos and co-ops. What we would do is we would go in and acid wash the fronts of the buildings and make them look brand new. Make yeah. an old building look new by refreshing the brick and making it look, you know, taking out years of grime by literally acid washing out all the all the dirt out of the building. Yeah. Um, and those were big jobs. We were usually on a job for anywhere from a week to to a month. You know. Wow, uh, fascinating. That that does remind me. We used to live in this house where the side <laughs> of the house it was just like it looked like it was a hundred year old house <laughs> and right, so we that. actually brought a guy that pressure washed it on the side and right. i was like wow like that looks, looks amazing yeah we got we got the neighbors to stop by and we're like hey guys nice to meet you and we're like we've been living here for the last three years and they're like oh we thought you had we had new neighbors <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> dude but, but you, you guys took it you guys got washed too i guess right th- we what sorry You guys got washed too with the pressure uh, washer. Absolutely, they washed too, yeah. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Our ash, uh, our accents got washed out. <laughs> 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 okay, mm-hmm. wow. 
that joke. Okay. Yeah. So so what happened next? Yeah. I'm I'm curious. Like I'm loving this story. <laughs> like you, I mean, I can tell you have lived through so many list business lessons, <laughs> and probably at this point you're not even. 23 years old or 25 years old, you know, and you're already that's, built that's like, right, yeah. like mm -hmm. three businesses sold to uh, defy your your parents uh, <laughs> on what they wanted for you because you wanted to follow what you wanted for yourself, which is absolutely amazing. So please continue. I'm so curious. So a building in Edison, New Jersey becomes available about a mile from where Thomas Edison invented the light bulb, coincidentally. Mm. Um, the invention cap king of the, of the U.S. Yep. You know? Yeah. So... And I grew up in Edison. I grew up there, so I I credit a lot of what I did because of Thomas Edison too. So so awesome. Um, he, he actually went bankrupt also, like I did. So we'll get to that <laughs> in the future. But love it. Um, along with Henry Ford and all those other guys too. Yeah. So, um, but uh, a building becomes available. It has a garage on the back and a garage on the front, and you can drive right through the building. You drive trucks. It was a, they would park oil trucks in there at night. Mm. Um, but it looked to me like a car wash. So we I opened up a car detailing center we were cleaning and waxing cars and because we already had the equipment we were cleaning buildings we could clean cars with the same equipment wow huh so and we called it palm springs auto resort um <laughs> for palm springs you know california where we i've never been to palm springs it was just a funny catchy name that we just got drunk one night and we laughed so hard about it it was the only one we could remember in the morning Do, do, do people actually ask you, like, you know, what's the, what's the reason you named your company this way? And you're like, ah, you know, I just got a few drinks and we're good to go. <laughs> well, we want people to think we had experience. It sounds like like a franchise. It sounds like something. It sounds yes. like we had we knew what we were doing. Love it. Um, and you always want to make sure, you know, you, you brand mm -hmm. yourself. So, you know, mm -hmm. we, we had a good logo. We actually had a federal trademark with it. So, you know, we had a, a bunch of we actually did some, some franchising on it, on it, too. Wow. Um, but. A couple months after starting waxing cars, somebody comes in, and it's 1987 now, and someone asks you about this thing called a cellular phone. Huh. They were close to $3,000 US. Uh, they didn't work very well. It was $40 a month at 60 cents a minute with no minutes, no internet, no, no it was just voice. Yeah. And that morning, I called the company called Cellular One, said we're interested in selling. I got a guy who wants to buy a phone. What do I have to do to become an agent of yours? And we became the, the sixth agent in the Metro New York area for Cellular One. Wow. Uh, back in the beginning of the industry, and it changed my life. That's how I got into the telecommunications industry. Okay. In, 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 in the cellular phone industry. Uh, from the late 80s through the mid-90s, had to reach a couple, some, bunch of retail stores, and we, we ultimately had, and uh, I just burned out of retail. It's a six-day or seven-day a week. You know, it's a Uh, I want to get my life back. I want to get out of the retail grind. So yeah. I sold all the retail stores and took a, a contract that I had with a company that was originally called Nationwide Cellular. It was bought by MCI, and then MCI was bought by WorldCom. It was, it was for WorldCom, which mm. I don't know if you do you know WorldCom at all. Do you know the story of WorldCom? No really. idea. Like I, this is why we're like so fascinated and just like sitting here because it's like we're connecting with new people and like their stories and it's amazing. So please indulge us. So. <laughs> WorldCom is a, it was a Fortune 50 company, the top 50 companies in the mm. world, bigger than Verizon. Okay, um, wow. Um, you've heard of Enron, right? Everyone's heard of Enron, right? Yep, yep, I have. Well, well, before Enron went bankrupt in an accounting scandal, uh, WorldCom went bankrupt in a much bigger accounting scandal. Mm. Um, so they they um, fake their financials and they go bankrupt. They take one of the big accounting companies with them called Arthur Anderson, also went down after WorldCom went bankrupt. Wow. Uh, but we'll get to that in the future. So I, I give up all the retail stores. It would take one contract to become a master agent for WorldCom. We start selling cellular phones to 
uh, in New York City, 150 retails in New Jersey. Yeah. New York, the New York metro area, uh, 50 or 60 in Chicago, some Washington, D.C., Boston, all over the country. We're, we're selling for them as a master agent to these all mom and pop independent mm-hmm. um, cellular stores. Okay. Before they were all branded, there was a lot of independents out there. Yeah. Um, and one thing led to another. We're doing tons of business. Um, I grew that company from you know nothing in, in 1996 when we started to in 2002, close to $50 million in sales. Wow. Um, we're selling a lot of phones for, for WorldCom. Um, uh, a year before, um, we did about 12, we went from 12 to 50 million in one year, but uh, I make the Inc. 500, the I Inc. 500, we were number 126 on the Inc. 500. Nice. I'm a finalist of the Ernst Young Entrepreneur of the Year Award. We won a bunch of awards. Um, we sold basically 187,000 cellular phones for many a year. Um, a lot of it on the e-commerce. Uh, the very first day in e-commerce, uh, uh, what Worldcom did was before we'd have to take an application off a fax machine and type it into a computer, um, Worldcom web-enabled the application process. We connected to that web enablement, and I had one of my partners who was digging down my throat. He had close to 50,000 applications in the queue, and he was basically having people type them in every day to get them approved, and we automated that process, and we took 50,000 applications yeah, and we ran them. It took four and a half hours to run them through. We're the very first day in e-commerce when we broke, we broke the magic. And we made it work. <laughs> wow, it, beautiful! It took four and a half hours to run fifty thousand applications, and we got nine hundred people approved. Oh, wow, that's amazing! So my my first day in e-commerce, we did over a million dollars in sales. <laughs> uh, I'm mind I did, blown. I didn't even have nine. I did have I did have nine hundred phones in stock because we weren't ready to do it. We were still we were testing everything, and we literally tested it. It worked and. And he said, I need this to go now. And we went it. And so it took me a week or two just to fulfill that first order. And then we, I made them stop for about 10 days. And I bought 20 computers and 20 folding tables and chairs. And we set up 20 printers. And I went to a temp agency and hired 20 people. Actually, we hired 30 people because we knew 10 of them were going to wash out. So yeah. we trained everybody. Um, and these, my partners turned back on their marketing machine. It was all, it was all email marketing back then. Yeah, and uh, we started selling a lot of phones, e-commerce. And when it got to the point after we were running like a well-honed machine, you could go on about three o'clock in the afternoon, place an order, and at five o'clock when UPS came to pick up everything, the phone would go out. And you'd have it the next day, or two days, depending on where you know on the West Coast. Wow, I I, I recognize one word here in the, all this story that that you've told us: execution. <laughs> like yeah. it's it's insane. Like you you. Uh, it's fascinating. I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to dive into your mind because I'm sure like there's all these ideas and opportunities. You probably spot them all over the place uh, every every single day. And you're like, you know, I like that. Like, let's go. And, and let's go means let's take action. Let's 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 make something happen. And it doesn't really matter what happens, but because I'm going to be full invested in this. And then the second that, you know, we encounter friction where it's like it's not fulfilling for you anymore. For example, the retail space then you're like, what's my next opportunity, right? And and then I go with it, right? Yes. And we, we had a conversation with a guy. His name was Bart Miller. Great guy. Also, uh, big, big businesses, top 1% Amazon guy. And, uh, and we're talking about identities, right? And how people can have different identities. And one of the messages that 
we listen a lot in our marketplace. It's like, okay, you got to be that that one guy, that one person, and that's the one thing that you always do forever and ever, right? And for us, what we've been finding is like, yeah, it's great to start that way, but there's also like different passions and identities that we like to 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 take. Like for us, soccer is a big thing, right? We love it, and at some point, we would like to do that. And now I'm I'm looking at you, and it is is the business identity, right? You're a business guy. You you look for opportunities and you execute, and it doesn't matter where that is you will find it and then with through execution have massive success i'm assuming through a lot of interactions and different things and, and mini failures and obviously it's going to look like a roller coaster i'm guessing but at the end of the day uh it's so awesome and i think it's allowing us to like look at the business side of thing with a with a very different eye and also for the audience that might be starting a business be like it's okay that that has an end date just make sure you know you you make the most out of it. Learn your lesson. Yeah. If you want to make some some cash, awesome, and then you can move on to the next passion, right? Yeah. I, I'm a little curious yes. on how do you see these opportunities? Because you know, first business storage, then window, then car, uh, the windows, then the pressure washing, then the car wash. Now the cellular, right? Is it that you had problems with storing storing things yourself, and and you were like, hey, let me create a solution for this. Or you were looking, you were in a solution mindset. I'm curious on how do you find all these opportunities when there are people out there struggling to just find one, right? Mm. You're always looking. Listen, I, I read voraciously. I, 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 you just have to look around. There's an opportunity in everything. Yeah. Mm. Is there is yeah. is there like a pattern that you follow? You're like, hey, you know, I I spot something, and then there's like different elements that they need to hit your list for you to pursue that opportunity. So most people are afraid of big businesses. They think a big business could crush them, but big businesses are like oil tankers. They can't turn on the dime. Mm. Um, I outcompeted WorldCom. They were WorldCom was the top 50 company in the world. I outcompeted them because I turned on a dime. I, I I knew how to you know I could outmarket them. You know mm. I knew their go to market. Uh, before, because I talked to them about go to market, we talked about it together, and I said, "Listen, I'm going to go to market better than you." Because do you care? Because no, because there's gonna be certain people are going to want to get paid better and get paid better by going to you, and there's certain people who care about going through corporate and having that corporate relationship. So, you know, we want we want all the business. So they were smart guys. Those guys were very smart. Um, yeah. So they let me compete against them, even on price. They were not upset about that because I, I, you know, if you're upfront with your partners, you're not. We weren't really competitors. We were selling to different marketplaces to the most yeah, part. Yeah, wow. You know. mm -hmm. Yeah, something I've noticed is that you have a, you, you haven't mentioned this word, but you have a very good understanding on positioning, right? Like I've noticed like all your business, the way you position yourself is, um, I mean, you even mentioned it on the, the name of the car wash, right? Like you position it as Paul Spring mm -hmm. Auto Spa. Yeah. And I, I found that super interesting because immediately positioned you as the elite of car wash right and i'm sure just the name will attract a lot of people and then with your marketing knowledge and all that it'll, you you get to grow these businesses so thank you for sharing that like this has been incredible I, i'm curious to and, and i feel like we still haven't got to the good part where you lose I everything know. and then get it back we, we haven't we haven't, we haven't <laughs> got to there right let's so. keep going let's keep going um, so um October 1st, 2001, we go public in a reverse merger, which we don't raise any money in a reverse merger. Reverse merger is a, you become a private company, you become a public company, and we're ready to raise some money. We had it all lined up, a couple million dollars of outside investment. The first time we're going to take some money, and the it was 20 days after September 11th in the U.S. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. So it was a bad time in the country, but um, for for financial because the financial markets were were reeling. There was a horrible time for the financial industry back then. Uh, we were now public, newly public company with no money, not yeah. no money. We were doing a lot of we were doing a lot of sales. Yes, but um, uh, we, we were profitable. Um, but we were looking to grow even quicker. Uh, we found out we actually didn't need the money because um, after nine eleven, if you didn't have a cellular phone in the U.S., you got one. I think on the entire globe, that was the year that everybody got a phone for their kids. Yeah. If you had a 10-year-old kid, you gave him a phone that year because you wanted to make sure that you could contact him if anything went wrong, if the yeah. world was falling apart, you wanted So it was huge. We tripled our sales that one year, and that's where we went from 12 to close to $50 million in sales. Wow. Mm. Um, um, and then a year later, not even a year later, WorldCom um, in six weeks goes from a top 50 company in the world as big as Verizon, as big as Exxon, and as big as Amazon. The big companies, as big as all those Apple was today, Worldcom was that big back then in the in the two thousands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Worldcom goes from a real company to bankrupt in six weeks. Wow! And they go bankrupt, owing me about four and a half million dollars. Mm. And I lose every penny because I don't have four and a half million dollars. I lose every penny. I personally guaranteed everything as CEO of the company. Um, we didn't raise any money, so I didn't have a big war chest of money. So I have to fire myself and fifty five people who work for me. <sighs> And like I said, lost every penny. Um, I cried for a couple months. It's like um, losing. It's like losing a child. It's like you know, yeah. you go through all the stages of, of, of remorse. You know, why me? And you know, what about you know? Can't can't you, you're trying to make a deal? You know, with yourself. What can we get one more year? One more couple more months out of it? You know, anything? Yeah. You know, all those things that happen with with horrible things happen. Um, and one thing led to another, and I, I'm I happen to have a great peer group. Um, in the U.S., there's a company, there's an organization called Young Entrepreneur Organization, YEO. Mm. Um, we've all gotten older now, so it's now called EO, the Entrepreneur Organization, because we've all <laughs> used to be for under 40 people. If you had to be under 40 to be in it, mm. and a bunch of my peers were in it, and they actually helped a lot. You know, they helped uh, a, a lot. But the guy who founded YEO was a guy named Vern Harnish. Mm. Um, Vern wrote, wrote some great books. If you want a great book recommendation, uh, he wrote Absolutely. a book called Scaling Up. Oh yeah, yeah, we uh, got we have that book actually. We need to dive into yeah. that one. Um, he wrote it before. It's called the Rockefeller Principles, but it's mm-hmm. a second. It's a reversion of the Rockefeller Principles. Yeah. Um, the first ten pages, I can't tell you how many times I've read that book. But uh, so, the New Jersey organization, about fifty-five, sixty guys, hired him to come talk to us about the book. Back then, was the the Rockefeller Principles. Okay. Um, and the deal was for him, we all had to buy fifty copies of his book on the same day from Amazon, so he could say he's the number one Amazon bestseller. And we bought about 1,800, 1,900, you know, close to 2,000 copies that day. Yeah. And he was the number one seller. And now he could bill himself as a number one book on Amazon awesome. back in 2000. Mm-hmm. Um, but the second part of the deal was somebody had to drive him from New Jersey, where he talked to us for a couple hours, to a scotch tasting with Glenlivet Scotch yeah. in New York City. And my friend said, you need to go get drunk. You need to drink because you've lost every penny <laughs> you've ever made. So, um, so they volunteered me to drive Vern into the city. And what should have been a half hour drive was an hour and a half because of some traffic. Yeah. And I'm talking to Vern and Vern said basically, you know, the same thing you said when we first got started. So tell me about it. What's what's going on? You know? Yeah. And I said, well, six weeks ago, I was involved with this WorldCom bankruptcy. I lost every penny I've ever made. And I, and I owe millions of dollars that I'm not going to have. You know, I owe banks and, and guarantors for everything. And he sat for about... 20 seconds it seemed like it forever but it sat for a couple of seconds and said so in 10 years when you look back on this 
Do you want to be the person who said, I was the person who was doing this, and I was the person who was doing that? Or do you want to be the person who, I, who says, I'm the person doing this, and I'm the person doing that? Mm. And and I didn't get it at the time, but I, I felt this huge weight was lifted off of me. Like, well, yeah, you know, I, I could go around the rest of my life saying, you know, this comp- big, huge company, top-fitted company, went bankrupt in a huge accounting scandal and screwed me and be bitter about it, or I could move on. So I moved, at that point, I moved on. I didn't know what I was going to do at that point, but I knew... I could do something else. Let me, uh, you know, let me find what the next big thing is going to be. And about six months later, um, I, I said, you know what? I think VoIP, you know, I was already in the telecom, telecommunications business and I decided um, we would find in the other business, we would find a customer, hand it to the big company and they would hand us a fistful of cash.